Hello and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host Jeremy and today's guest is Jasmine Kelly, uh, the illustrator and co-author of a new book out, which is out, it should be in all good bookstores, we'll talk about it in a little bit, called The Game Master's Book of Random Encounters. It's a wonderful book, I really recommend checking it out, and I basically saw this and went, this person looks really interesting. I want to talk to them. And I had a really good time talking with Jasmine. Um, some really interesting stuff came up. We were talking about a couple of other games that she's played, uh, not specifically D&D, but yeah, a really fascinating journey as well. And um, listen and enjoy. It was for a bit. I tried to live the dream, I think was the thing. But um, yeah, no, I ended up uh, not finding a job that would sponsor a visa uh, while I was over there. That was like a whole thing. But I I lived there for four and a half months, about four months, and um, did some some cool stuff. But um, yeah, I I ended up coming back to Australia and I was like, oh, I'll try round two. And that was my plan this year. But then... Yeah. But then, of course, New York is not where you want to be in the middle of COVID. Yeah global pandemic and I'm like yeah yeah I was like okay thankfully I'm in Australia <laughs> yeah. um pretty much from that so yeah uh I moved down to Canberra this year so that's where I've been yeah yeah it's like this year was going to be the one I actually have to I can I've got time to do things it's like well no no you don't <laughs> no global pandemic fuck you <laughs> but it did give yeah. me a lot of time to prep D&D which was good Mm, mm, yeah, all those weekends of, like, not going anywhere. <laughs> I ended yeah. up playing a lot yeah. of and it, like, yeah. Yeah, more than I thought. which is, has mm. kind of been good. I mean, it feels like every interview I've done this year goes back to, hey, so what's been playing online like? Mm. And it's just, um, it's kind of the same conversation over and over, so I'll try to avoid that one as much as possible <laughs> this time. It was interesting moving online because I was playing already playing one campaign over like Discord um, before the pandemic, and then because that has like international players, and then uh, I moved like my in person one um, to over Discord, uh, and had a had a unique setup for that one because I, I don't like roll twenty um, as a DM; it's too hard to use. Uh, so it just requires too much prep. Like, you know, you just have to you have to really be on the ball with, like, all these stat blocks and draw all the maps beforehand and stuff. And I just, I don't have the patience yeah. for that. So, um, yeah, I'm very much a, like, draw as it happens DM. That's what we were finding. My friend and I run a business where we DM for people who aren't able to find their own. And it's so much more prep time for online mm. games because we had to use we had to make the map and then we had to transfer the map into a digital form and then we had to show the map and then it was like great so that combat took 20 seconds yeah took me four <laughs> hours to make <laughs> and that was like yeah i i the first time i looked at roll 20 i was like oh this looks awesome like i'm so excited about this like as a dm maybe i can do all this cool stuff and then i like saw the sheer amount of prep work that you have to do um, and then, like, you know, it can all just go out the window anyways when your players just like, no, ha, 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 uh, drive the train off the cliff. We're going left. Like, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're like, okay, but what about these nicely laid tracks that I have that lead to this beautiful map that I've already prepared? <laughs> and they're like, no. 
Um, this wonderful railroad that we've been on for so long. Why are you getting <laughs> off the railroad that we developed for you? Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I realized very quickly that I'm just like, uh, I'll just make things up on the fly. And that's pretty much how I DM a lot of the time. Do enough prep work, but all the maps and stuff, I just draw on the spot. I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah. It was one of, after three months of doing this, of doing these amazing maps using Dungeon Draft and all this other stuff, they decided to go into an area I hadn't prepared yet. And I just went, cool, I'm just going to draw little black lines and we just won't <laughs> yep. move the map at all. And like, this looks amazing. I'm like, great. Thanks for telling me three months in. I could have been, <laughs> could have been doing, doing this, this the whole time. time. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> um, no, they're great. Yeah. yeah. They listen to this, so I have to say that. That's really cool that you're doing like paid DMing because I thought about that like for a while and my mom's really advocating me to do like I, I had an idea to do like corporate DMing like for you know corporate functions yeah. and stuff <laughs> and mom's yeah. like yeah that's kind of it. what I'm doing oh that's awesome that's yeah so cool. it is the group that I'm running for on a regular basis um, they built it as a team building exercise um, about mm. 18 months ago now so there were seven, like they got families involved. It was like a big event where I was running like for nine people and they split into two groups of four. Um, oh and the God, idea yep. was going to be a week on with one group, then a week off and like alternate it. And it just oh. got too confusing. So they're like, cool, we'll just have a big group of seven. And I was like, great. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, Seven's a oof. lot. Or the, the most I ever ran for was 11 and it was a, birthday party I did get paid for that one it was the first time I paid for it but um that was in New York and I'd be DMing uh weekly at this game shop just running one shots for people and one of the players uh had requested to be at my table a couple of times and uh she was 15 or 16 I think but um she approached me after one of them and was like oh hey would you would you DM for my birthday party and I was like yeah sure no worries and she's like oh yeah like we'll pay you and stuff so and then she didn't tell me though that they were gonna have like 11 people yeah. so i was like yeah. i got there and i prepped for this and i was like oh my god and just it was like hurting cats because um like i'd yeah. made this one-shot adventure there was some combat involved and it was like an arena fight i think but beforehand they could do some prep work but all they wanted to do because they're teenagers who can't drink was go to the imaginary mm -hmm. pub and drink the <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts oh yes <laughs> yeah i think uh, in, things like that is everyone wants to have a good time and combat can kind of I guess, uh, dra drag things back. It can slow mm. everything down. So that's when the role-playing really comes through, when everyone just wants to go to the tavern and talk to each other and do shenanigans, yeah. basically. It's a good time, yeah. Well, how long were you... We Had you played before you basically got asked to DM a, a birthday party? Uh, about a month and a half I'd been DMing. <laughs> wow. Twice a week. Um, so, yeah, I, I really jumped straight into it oh well twice a week that's a lot of that's a lot yeah i so i wanted to i played D and D. the first time i ever played was when i went on student exchange in my second year of uni and i went to nottingham university um in the uk and uh they had like an rpg club and um various other really nerdy oh, cool. things so i joined uh I yeah joined it's that england with, of course they did yeah yeah well it, i mean I couldn't um I couldn't join any of like the clubs and societies at uni in Australia just because I live 
two hours away from the uni. So I'd do the commute yeah. and then I was on my pee plate, so I couldn't drink or anything like that. So it was like, eh, could be bothered. Um, but so when I was there, I like really got into just joining a whole bunch of clubs and stuff. Um, and I joined the RPG club and uh, played about eight, eight to ten sessions, I think, for the semester of, it was Horde of the Dragon Queen. Um, and I'd never played D&D before, but I had played, um, I was in two long running campaigns for World of Darkness RPG. Um, so I'd had like experience there, but I'd always wanted to try out D and D and yeah, I, I made this character and then had no idea how to play a druid. Um, so pe- people had to tell me how to play. Oh, I, druids like, are... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> druids are tough with your first character. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize like just, and then That's really all the diving in the deep end. stuff. I'm like, that was mm-hmm. what? 20, that was 20. 13 or 14 i want to say so there was like no D beyond it was all mm. pe- like you've got, a lot. Paper. you've got to have the cards and yeah <laughs> i didn't even i didn't have the source book so i hadn't read anything <laughs> about it like yeah I had, I had no idea what i was doing um but it was fun i really enjoyed it yeah and um i like i love the fantasy aspect of of D, and i quite like all the tropey garbage that comes with it so yeah <laughs> like you know it's just <laughs> It's just like good, easy fun, um, and yeah. so. How do you find that compares with World of Darkness? Because World of Darkness is a very different, different system and a very different feel to it. And if you're saying that you came into role playing from being in campaigns of World of Darkness, yeah, what kind of um, appealed to you about them when you first started out with it? I well, so I met. Um, I met my friend Liam in university. Um, we were just catching the train home after one of our, it was like poetry or something. We did poetry class. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a garbage poet, so never, never doing that again, but, um, you know, it was fun while us and I met Liam through it. So, um, and we'd just chat like on the way home on the same train. And, uh, he was telling me like he ran, uh, yeah, he runs like role-playing games and stuff for his friends. And I was like, Damn, that sounds awesome. Like, I'd heard of Dungeons and Dragons before, but like, you know, you know, like, like, oh man, that's so nerdy. Like, I can't bring it up with my friends or anything like that. Like, I have like normie yeah. friends, and I'm like, oh man, I don't have any like really nerdy friends. Um, so Liam was that like, dark little secret that you can't tell yeah. anyone about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. except I tell the world now. I've like, oh, it's that's that's yeah. long behind me now. But um, yeah. But oh back, yeah, the difference that five then... years in in this world has made. It's like back then, no one would have talked about it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that was why I was like, oh my god, Liam was like my gateway drug into RPGs, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, he invited me into uh, a what was it? Um, Changeling campaign. And they were like about three quarters of the way through it. So I sort of joined up and I'd never done RP before. Like I'd done drama and stuff at school, but this is like, it's kind of completely different. And for about 10 sessions, I just never said a word because I had no idea what was going on. And like how to role play is, is so hard when you start and you don't know like who a character is. And then you have to learn how to separate like yourself and your motivations and what you want to do from what your character wants to do. And often, like, I'm bad at that anyway, so it, it tends to blur together. Um, but, yeah, we played World of Darkness, and he'd set the campaign. He was very much, he's an open-world DM, so he generally sets it in one city, 
and then just like lets you explore it and uh, yeah everything stems from that so there's like political systems and whatnot in the city and the first one changeling was set in brisbane so that was good because it was familiar so i could figure out what's going on there and then um we played a two and a half year campaign for mummy the descent where you play um cool i haven't heard of that Mummy is honestly the best system I've I think I've ever played. It's so it's so interesting because you start at basically like for D and D equivalent level twenty, and then um, but you have no memory, so there's no context for like your powers. You have this like insane amount of like really dope like powers and skills. You like blow shit up and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, and then as like the scenes progress, you begin to like lose that insane power. And as you regain your memory and your context and you play through like your past memories and stuff, then you also lose the power. So you try and find a balance between like learning about yourself and your past and also like maintaining this power and completing your quests while you're awake at the same time. Like, yeah, before you eventually lose all your power and you go back to sleep. It's, it's a really, that really cool really system. Clever. Yeah. yeah, it's um, it was, it was still one of the best campaigns I th- I've ever been in. Like, yeah, I, I just, uh, but that was set in Jakarta, like um, in Indonesia. Okay. So yeah, that was a kind of really interesting setting. Um, and both were modern day. So to move from that into like D and D, I just wanted like some <laughs> fantasy tropes, <laughs> like ooh, things where. I can just make up whatever, like, and it, it, you know, I don't have to think about like modern day stuff. And World of Darkness stuff's quite edgy as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about. I think when I was doing um, Vampire in a regular game, I was running a, a Tori Adore DJ uh, who oh, came nice. out to Australia in the, came out to Australia in the eighties and got turned into a vampire uh, from the UK, <laughs> and now he can't get home because he can't go in the planes, he can't get on a ship. Um, so basically he's just out here loving the 80s scene and he's still dressed in the 80s look he's got the the 80s music going whenever he plays and he's trying to make a name for himself as a dj still but that was the thing i I had to i had to go through all these 80s references for him to use and it's just the amount of work that i had to go into for this this fun character who everyone ended up loathing because he was a tool but that's what you kind of have to do with the the modern day scenes, you have to have uh, a lot more real world knowledge. You have to kind of mm. think about, well, what would the taxi be like when I'm when I'm just going to go down this street? How long is it going to take me to get across the city? Whereas with fantasy and D&D, you're like, cool, if it takes a different time, it's magic. Yeah, we're just yeah, like, wizard, mm, yeah. Wizard. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get on a horse and you like quickly Google like how fast a horse can travel and you're like, uh, I guess it takes yeah. you this much? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it takes you. The horse travels at the speed of plot. Yeah, it exactly. Just goes <laughs> as fast as the DM needs it to go. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, we'll just skip that bit. Like, you know, you're on a boat. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I thankfully in that campaign, the, the mummy one, I played a character uh, who was very much like stuck in the past uh, and was like still treated everything as if it was ancient Egypt um so she just didn't give a a damn about like modern sensibilities um and was a religious nada (laughs) that game is kind of designed to do something like that that you are yeah if you don't have your memories you just go no what i recall that's how the world should be and i've got this power to kind of make it that 
Exactly, yeah. It's uh it was a really good campaign. Um and I love the system. I'd love to try and run a game in it, but I think um the learning curve for World of Darkness systems, like uh, especially like each of the different ones as well, is like really mm. quite quite steep. Like you have to read the whole source yeah. book. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I don't don't think I have that patience. Like I mean, I haven't even read the whole. I haven't read the player's handbook, and I haven't. Well, I mean, Go nobody's enough. read the DMG, but like, uh, <laughs> I have not read a lot of D and D source books. The Dungeon Master's Guide is probably the only one I have read cover to cover. Oh, really? Because the chapters are so... Yeah, like, the others, I kind of flick through and go, yeah, that looked interesting, I'll read about that stat. The Dungeon Master's Guide, because it's got the the bit about the planes, which I found fascinating, it's got, this is how to build a campaign, mm. this is how to build a world, and a theology, it's like, all oh, that's fascinating to me, and then I'm like, well, how do I design a monster? So, yeah, it's probably the only one I've read cover to cover. Oh, that's interesting. Whereas all the others, it's like, well, I just need Wish, I'm going to look up the spell. I saw a lot of the, um, like, you know, how to build your world and stuff. And all of that I had learnt during, like, yeah, my master's in writing and stuff. Yeah. Like, a lot of it was just, uh, a lot of it's, like, basic world building, which is very good, like, yeah, if you don't have experience in that kind of stuff. But um, I didn't find it all together that helpful and then just ended up making up everything anyway, <laughs> um, including well, how to do That's what that you should box. do, just do it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's pretty much how I run it. I found the how to create monsters from the Dungeon Master's Guide. I looked at it and went, that looks way too complicated. I'm just going to make it up. I want to give it 20 <laughs> strength. I want to give it 5 dexterity. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to do that. Yeah, that seems yeah. seems right. Oh, I was going to say, I take the stat blocks. So I, I, I use the... Oh, the Monster Manual, I think, is the one I've read cover to cover. But, like, not literally... Oh, yeah. literally not in a linear fashion. There we go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I tend to just take the, like, I find a monster that I like, and then um, based on, uh, like, where the players are sort of at level-wise and stuff, I just boost all the stats and make them up on the fly. <laughs> and then sort of, like, just sit them at that. And I'm like, all right, cool. Um, you know, give it an extra 100 health. Um <laughs> couple of pluses to hit and then maybe like two more attacks and it can take my group of players and you know like the uh, building monsters as well like it's it depends so heavily on just the combat ability of the group um that you play with because i the campaign that i run at the moment for the five guys that i played the world of darkness stuff with um after i came back from new york i was like oh hey guys i love dmd now um <laughs> do you want to you know, have a one shot. Um, I want to run like a level seven one. And uh, we ran that and then it turned into like, they were keen to keep going. So we turned it into a campaign and um, they're like level 11 now, but they're all very uh, tactical and um, very combat focused as well. And they enjoy building characters, which are quite frankly, OP. (laughs) And, uh, and they like destroying me with them. And um, so I have to really like think about, yeah, how to be like, how to boost monsters so that, you know, they can actually fight them and enjoy the combat because the, the tables in the DMG where it's like, Oh, you know, this much CR for this many characters per level um yeah. i can use it as a base but then i have to boost it by like three or four k just to like hit their level of how good they are at combat and then yeah for other groups that i've run for like one shots and stuff uh for players who certainly yeah 
don't care as much about the combat. I like really have to, yeah, rein myself in in terms of the the stats and stuff and and how I treat the monsters. There are so many monsters you just have to kind of tweak on the fly and just hope mm. that the, they yeah. don't suddenly overwhelm with one ability or they're not too easy. I think dungeon masters in particular, or a lot of monsters for dungeon masters, they'll just kind of go, "Yep, it's got an extra three hundred hit points this this battle because I need it to last that long." Or yeah, I'm yeah. A real challenge. There's been a few where I've done that. <laughs> or there's like you know eight other chap monsters or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, you just like throw some other crappy ones in there. It took me a while to like figure that one out. Like, okay, my singular monster with its legendary like um, actions and stuff is all well and good, but I I think like the challenge really comes from having to be like tactical about a couple of other yeah lower level monsters which have far less health and less ability to hit you in the face but they're still dangerous and they'll still whittle them down like one by one so yeah i found it, it becomes more enjoyable with that one of the ways i've tried to do it particularly with a boss fight mm. i got this from matt colville on um on youtube is the idea of minions yeah. When they've got one hit point. I've watched a lot of yeah. his stuff. And um, particularly when it's like mm. a necromancer or something like that, where they're just every turn summoning shadows or skeletons or something, which aren't too much of a threat. But when you've got 20 of them coming at you, and eventually they'll do a bit of damage, but you can blast through them really easily and it keeps the, the boss alive a bit longer. Mm. Yeah, and I think like using those AoE spells yeah. like from your wizards and stuff and yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's fun. Mm. I mean, we could talk about design for ages, but that's a good segue into um, the, oh, the book yeah. that you helped write, um, the the Game Master's Book of Random yeah. Encounters. So tell me, I'm fascinated by this. I a friend showed it to me um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just like, this is this is what every game master needs, really, because you can just go. Slot, oh, I'm so happy to hear that. You can just slot an encounter into <laughs> your camp, like if you're not prepared or you just want to go well here's something i just want to keep things rolling but i don't we want a little bit of a break between the two massive sessions that we just just had but it's also something interesting each time yeah so maybe um how did you get involved with obviously yeah was um part of that as well the the friend you mentioned earlier but um how did you get involved yeah oh so i brought liam in to do a couple of the locations he wrote i think four or five of them um, but, uh, so I met Jeff, um, Jeff Ashworth, the, the main author. So he wrote most of it, um, in New York. So when I was playing in the little, uh, Brooklyn game shop, um, and I was running like the weekly one shots, he'd played, he played in one of my ones and then rejoined my table for a second one. And, um, I had a lot of fun with that group and he played a really cool character named max who was a small like child uh who had a like a demonic sword and was a warlock and and had a butler named steve (laughs) um but yeah so i I had a lot of fun and um i'd drawn like um i'd drawn a, a map for like just by hand um for my other campaign and and sort of just put it on the table and just shown them where they are on the map if they wanted to go somewhere else um and uh that ended up like uh that group ended up turning into a couple of sessions so i ran about five or six with them before i ended up having to come back to australia but it was really fun 
Um, but the, they'd seen this map and stuff, and um, yeah, Jeff, Jeff turned out to be an editor, um, and of course, they'd always ask, like, oh, what's an Australian doing, like, here playing D&D? And I was like, well, I'm trying to find a job in publishing, because that's my dream, and I want to be an editor. <laughs> and I was like, hey, anybody want to sponsor my visa? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, Jeff turned out to be an editor with, uh, or content manager, I think, with, with uh, Topics Media, and um, he came to me after one of the sessions, after I booked my flights back to Australia and stuff, he was like, oh, hey, so we may have, like, a, a contract coming up with... Um, with uh, uh to do with D D, or we might end up doing a book i'm not sure if it would be officially licensed yet or anything like that but uh would you be interested and i was like oh, yes <laughs> hello <laughs> um, what do you mean would i be interested of course i would it had to be a D &D. Um, yeah. so he <laughs> yeah 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 so um he was like i'm not sure what it's gonna be yet but um i we need to like pitch pages and stuff and um uh, if you're happy, like talk to talk to me about it, like uh, just sort of pick your brain. Um, and uh, if you, I I need somebody to draw maps for me. And um, so I was like, okay. I mean, I draw as a hobby, um, and I have like no formal art training at all. I don't know what I'm doing most of the time. But I was like, you know what? Sure, <laughs> I can draw maps. <laughs> Looking at those maps, they are amazing. Oh, thank you. I don't know. Like, yeah. I've... I mean, and looking at your portfolio on your website, I mean, this is part of why I approach you. I was like, this is outstanding art. I want to talk about this as much as everything else. Thank you. Um, yeah, I've been drawing since 2016, I guess. But, um, yeah, digitally, I, I sort of started that way. But, um, uh, yeah, so he commissioned me to draw like uh yeah a map for some uh pages that they were going to pitch um to like sell the book to i guess a publisher or whatever whatnot and um so i i did that and i, I think i got paid 50 dollars. so that was great um and, every little bit of helps uh the first map was terrible yeah um but i drew that while i was in yeah while i was in new york like on my little tablet thing on my crappy old computer and um and then, yeah, he started emailing me and he's like, okay, so, I mean, look, we can, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, what would be useful for DMs? Like, there's one way we could do, that. one idea was to simply just do a book of roll tables um, and just have a whole bunch of, like, random roll tables, like D100 tables for everything under the sun. Um, and then and then he's like, oh, we could do maybe, like, a sort of choose-your-own-adventure style um location wise uh book and i guess like the roll table version of this would have been like a hundred maps or so and then you just like roll to figure out where you end up without any yeah. like a lot of the description and stuff um and then it's like all we could do like maybe a more like choose your own adventure style like uh with location um settings and random encounters built into that and i was like the second one the second one all <laughs> the way like i would use that as a dm so um yeah and then we sort of ended up developing the idea off that and the bringing in the one shot ideas um to writing them and um just like what the locations would be so he's like okay so we'll do like an outdoor sort of thing there'll be like tunnels there'll be like i want to do like a castle setting something else and and all that and then we had to figure out how it was going to work and 
it was a very yeah collaborative process but um i ended up going back to australia and about two weeks after i i came back here he was like okay the book's been approved uh we're gonna start work on it uh are you right to to draw maps i'll send you a contract through and i was like okay (laughs) this year's gonna turn out different than i expected um so that was really exciting um and we ended up like yeah really just developing the the locations it was a real back and forth uh very collaborative in the Mm. sense like he'd be sometimes like okay so i want to do um a tavern i I need like six taverns or or whatever and then he's like okay an idea for this is like a blacksmith tavern uh it's a it's a uh, or like a um yeah a tavern where like fight club basically or a tavern where uh the whoever enters it has to get smaller and then i'd have to figure out based on this very vague description <laughs> like what it's going to look like so i always i do like these crappy sketches and then send them in and like have all these terrible labels um and try and figure out how it worked and then send that in. He'd be like, yep, sounds good or whatever. And then he'd write the copy for it based on the second draft of the map. Yeah. Um, sometimes the copy would be done before I get the, the, or before I get up to the map, which was good. But most of the time it was pretty much like, here's the basic idea, draw the map and then I'll write the rest of it um, based on what I put in the map, which was, yeah, it was uh, really interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, I shot myself in the foot with the style, though, um, that, mm. that sketchy sort of um, style, because uh, it, it it takes forever. It, yeah. it took so long <laughs> to draw it's these things. And um, Beautiful and detailed, yeah. but I, I imagine it, this is part of why I was amazed by it, because it takes so long to do a map, and then there's this much level of detail and, and um, articulation almost in, in the images there. And I was like, wow, this is real art that um and just just the oh, maps thanks. <laughs> i was just thinking i'm like oh my god it took me so long but i i did have to like i built an asset library i suppose and built yeah, yeah different things and then i could just put them in and, and replicate them in where i needed them but um yeah or oh. <laughs> it took a hot minute <laughs> to do that so yeah i think that collaborative process is really useful because when you're kind of sitting down just making it yourself you do kind of get lost into that. Well, how do they pour beers in in the 1500s? I've got to include that in the map in this tavern. But if you're going, so if you're talking mm. to somebody else and they say, well, I want a tavern that has this, and you come back and go, well, there's a little bit of sketch here. What do you think of that? And you can do this back and forth and build it together. And it feels like you're not doing as much work sometimes as if you were just doing it all off the off yeah. your own, own head. Mm-mm. No, it was helpful. And I'm very much like, I quite enjoy writing to prompts. Mm. So being able to draw to like a prompts were, were good too. Um, and I also, like I got to pitch quite a few locations. So a number of those in, in the book are, are mine as well. Um, I The Wounded Rogue is my favourite. Um, so I was about to ask what your favourite yeah. was. The Wounded Rogue I'm going to assume is yeah, another tavern. Yeah, Wounded Rogue. Yeah, it's a, it's a tavern, so like a speakeasy sort of place underneath a really terrible um, tavern that smells like um, old socks. So yeah. the idea is like, yeah, it's got, the, uh, it's got the Assassin's Guild underneath it, and that's where you can get like fancy cocktails and assassin contracts and whatnot um, down below, but you need to figure out sort of the, the riddle of how to get in. 
Um, but I, I really liked – that was one of the uh, first couple of maps that I drew, and I it ended up being redrawn twice. Um, and it took a very long time <laughs> to get right. But uh, I, I'm proud of, like, yeah, I think – I think it was worth it in the end, like to be to be able to have put that amount of effort into something and to be happy with the the work at the end, um, regardless of like yeah how long it took. I did take three months off work to be able to to do this. So, well, yeah. I mean, it's still kind of work though, isn't it? It's not. It's oh taking, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was paid. I just want off. to point this out. I was yeah. paid. Yeah, it's taking time off <laughs> work like, to um, work more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I did, yeah, I did this full time, so I was, uh, yeah, it was it's impressive. Oh, those deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you had a chance um, to use the rogue, wounded rogue in an adventure yet? Yeah. So wounded rogue was. Um, I actually came up with that one. That was in a one shot that I ran um, in New York, actually. So uh, it it sort of stemmed from that, and um, the one shot. Um, Oh shit! What's it called? Uh, special delivery. I think that one. So that one, I wrote the bones of it, and then Jeff helped re- pretty much rewrote it, like for the style of the book. Um, so that one's sort of my idea. Um, and uh, yeah, that the special delivery, yeah, uses Wounded Rogue. So that was that was the one shot that I'd sort of written. Um, and run a couple of times before, yeah, it made it into the book. Which is cool. <laughs> yeah. That gives you an opportunity to kind of figure out what works and how it looks as well. So you've really got more information even before mm. it it comes out. Play tested a couple of times. So. Yes. Oh, play testing. I'm <laughs> just getting into play testing myself. It's it's tough, particularly play testing at those lower levels. Yep. It's like, well, I murdered everyone. Yeah. Is that because of the difficulty of it? Is it just is it because oh, they because made your a mistake? <laughs> Oh, yeah. not stupid, but they're trying to have fun as well, and they want to experiment, and they they yeah. doing one shots yeah, basically. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing. They're going true, back true, to true. to your first um, few adventures in D and D with the the druid you mentioned earlier, and you weren't mm. really sure about it. Was that something you kind of branched out from what you'd expect with these fantasy tropes of going in and just slaying monsters, or was it a little bit more of their RP, the RP and going, well, I'm a druid, so I'm really more about nature and discovering the world. So what kind of things do you develop um, when you're, you're doing the characters? Uh, I think back then, thinking back, because I was still very fresh and kind of awkward. So, And I think, like, yeah, meeting new people as well and, like, going straight into RP, um, mm. a different person back there. So I was, like, still supremely awkward to do RP with. Um, and um, I realised that to develop characters, it, it it takes me a good, like, six to eight sessions to really understand who they are and then to be able to like figure out their motives and their backstory and stuff i hadn't written any backstory for i was just like yeah nature druid um (laughs) i have a bard like that (laughs) no backstory he's just he's a bard (laughs) yeah oh no wait she was edgy no she, she did have I'm pretty sure, I, don't know, I can't remember who got murdered, but it might have been her whole tribe or something. Sure. So she was like a really edgy druid. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, because uh, I think like that was, because it was uh, the one of the pre-written campaigns, um, it, 
it felt like yeah we had to go one place and to the other and for that we there was a couple of other far more experienced players in that group so i pretty much just looked for them as to like lead the party i don't know what i'm doing like um i'll just you know i'll be backup i'm support pretty much mm-hmm. um and that's how i played rp rpgs for a, a long time um yeah. but yeah i i I think that my characters now, like, yeah, the last two years, ever since I, I started really, like, playing D&D and DMing, um, I've become a lot better. And I, I enjoy DMing more than I do playing. But Yeah, I, I was going to ask, because it like, feels um, like a lot yeah. of the, the things you talk about or have talked about so far, it is more about the planning. It's about creating of the adventure rather than so much of the RP. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe I just feel like um, I'm far more in control when I'm DMing because you play a lot of like NPCs and uh, you can pretty much just make their motivations up on the fly. If um, your characters are like come up and talk to some random Um, names are always the hardest thing (laughs) and is supremely every single time I get stumped. So uh, I, in the book NPC generator was my baby. Um, (laughs) And uh, Jeff wanted to do one, but, like, how it ended up in the book is um, sort of what what I came up with, and I'm very proud of it because I use it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, I need those names. Godsend for every DM, honestly. Because <laughs> they go, so what's this, what's yeah, this barkeep, yeah. barkeep's name? What's this Smith's name? What's this random merchant that we just accosted oh. on the street because we wanted to buy a, a staff of flowers? It's like... <laughs> I yeah, my players do it just to rile me up. Now mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh yeah, what's what's your name?" And I'm like, "Come on, please, <laughs> why why you do this?" Oh, they, they love um, to do it. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I like uh, yeah, DMing. I think I just find far more in control, and uh, I I sometimes like I find myself slipping uh, into like my own motivations like what i personally would think would be good in this situation rather than what my character would think would be good um based on how i've played them and maybe that's sort of how i end up like sort of coming into them like takes yeah quite a few sessions for me to really get my head around oh so this is this person um Mm. which happened with a wizard character i play at the moment named harsa i thought she was going to be a maternal figure my this is a campaign that I play online um, through Discord, and we, I've been playing for a year and a bit now. Um, and we've got a great group. Um, I think, yeah, two guys from Europe, and then my friend Emma, um, her partner Josh, and me. And it, the Australians are slowly taking over. We've, we've, we're getting another Australian joining the group very soon as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I thought she was going to be like a sort of maternal character in the group i was like oh yeah you know she's she's an older older woman she's like mid mid 40s i was like i think like this adventure is her midlife crisis um she was raised by elves um and then like you know grew up with her her siblings um who were younger than her um but then she realized uh that well she's human so um she suddenly had this realization one day that uh, whereas all her siblings still look uh, very young, um, she could she looks her mother's age, and uh, she like had a, a freak out, a midlife crisis, 
and then went on an adventure and left home and um, was like, okay, I, I have, I've done nothing with my life. I've wasted it. Oh my God. Um, I need to achieve something. And uh, adventuring was her way to do this. Um, but I found out very quickly that one, she turned out to be a coward and uh, two, she, um, yeah, she ended up having, uh, not being maternal at all. Uh, she hates children <laughs> and um, has no idea what to do with children or anyone without like too much intellectual ability. <laughs> uh, love it. And that took, that took a good like, yeah, eight sessions to get to as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you discover kind of who the character thinks they are at the start of the adventure and then they quickly learn they are not that person and it's their growth exactly yeah yeah <laughs> but but the maternal sort of uh figurehead ended up um well it was filled it's filled by one of the other characters who is a barmaid named Penny, um, mm -hmm. who sort of stumbled into adventuring by accidentally poisoning uh, her entire village with her oh, cooking. God. Um, oh, God. <laughs> one time she got sent to jail and, and then, yeah, they broke out. So she was wanted and, and you know, mm -hmm. that's how the adventuring party started pretty Magic. much. But, yeah, she's uh, very much the maternal figure of the group and <laughs> is our only moral compass at the moment. All of us are like... Uh, we've come up with a system of, because um, because we had a lot of moral discussions of, you know, when is murder murder, mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> because Penny <laughs> advocates uh, one way, the rest of us uh, kind of mildly disagreed, um, and it all sort of came to a head when uh, my character Hasa purposefully suffocated an NPC in the bag of holding, um, and. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, and then we decided that <laughs> it's um yeah, it's, uh, the bag of holding had a lot of bodies in it at one yeah. point. Um, yeah. and uh, we've now decided that um, morality and well, murder, it, murder is only murder if the group votes that it's murder. So <laughs> uh, we're, I'm we're starting to having, see why the group it's murder was in by democracy. Yeah, it's murder by democracy now. So um, basically, oh, like, if we all vote that it isn't murder, then it's fine. <laughs> it's, oh, I don't know, self-defense or something. <laughs> yeah, it's manslaughter. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's good. It's G, it's G. <laughs> it's all good. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. <laughs> uh, so, how, so how long have you been playing, Hasa? Obviously, you've kind of had the six days. Um, about to a year. Build up. About a year. Okay. That. So yeah, yeah this is, so this yeah. Emma brought me in October. Oh, we've been no, or yeah, around August or September 2019. Um, yeah, so I was in the middle of doing all the maps and stuff for the book, yeah. and really like I was just living D and D. It was just mm. constantly just D and D all day, every day. <laughs> it feels like that. It's just suddenly everything is D and D. And you yeah. don't even notice how yeah. slowly it comes in. It's like I've got, I'm recording this with you today. I'm playing D and D this afternoon. I'm playing D and D again. Oh, actually, I'm <laughs> recording two more podcasts tomorrow about D and D, and then I've got oh another God, game Wednesday yes. night. It's like Thursday night's going to be playing Among <laughs> Us, which will be different for me. I'm not actually going to have to be worrying oh about D and D for once. 
Yeah, my roommate kind of like has given up asking me what I'm doing on my weekend because I'm just like, oh, D&D Saturday and then Sunday, like, yeah, it's D&D again. And then sometimes it's three games in a weekend. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But to be fair, it's slightly cheaper than uh, math, so. Oh my god, way cheaper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I got into all the models and stuff during COVID, oh, so yeah. I bought the painters, like the painter set, and then Ooh. oh god, it's it's a real slippery Ooh. slope from it there. Is. I've made a I made a rule. I'm not allowed to buy any more miniatures until I paint the ones I have, and because otherwise yeah, it's I... lethal. Mm. Mm. And particularly, mm-hmm. if I'm going to use yeah. a model once, I'm not allowed to buy it. I need to be able to use it at least three different sessions. Because otherwise I'm going to be getting these I massive thought... dragons. They're like, cool, it's a boss monster. Here you go. Cool, you killed it. I'm going to put it in the shelf and never see it again. <laughs> uh, you're stronger than I, because I just I bought like so many of the... Um... Yeah, the dragon models. I really like the the, the Nolzia's minis. Um mm. The, oh, they're beautiful I the adult ones, not like the, the huge ones, but yeah. yeah. Some yeah, of them are really good. They mm. are fantastic. I <laughs> I was a um, Games Workshop diehard from my teen years, so I have a lot of older stuff and I'm still paying the price <laughs> as I continue to buy them. <laughs> but they're just uh, so pretty. It's, it's, they're yeah. just so pretty. Oh my god. It, oh, it's, it's a, well, I, uh, I backed... Um, there was that Kickstarter for Bard Song um, yeah. by Steamforged Games, mm-hmm. uh, and I had just gone on their website. My friend got me the it was like um a, the Kobold Army for Christmas, mm-hmm. which was awesome. It comes with like thirty kobolds or something, um, and they're all really cute models. <laughs> so I've been having fun painting them. But I was like, oh, I wonder what else they've got. So I went on their website, and then I saw the Kickstarter for Bard Song, and then I. I went and had a look at it and then ended up dropping like $300 on it. I was like, oh, what have I done? And it was like, but the models are so cool. They're so pretty. (laughs) They're so nice. Well, that's another thing that I find that I look at a model and it can inspire me for what am I going to be doing with this creature? How would it work in a game? Mm. How would it work as a character? And a lot of the time it will be just because I want to have this cool mini, but a lot of the time it's also, well, that looks like an ice troll. What kind of adventures can I ride around parties mm-hmm. having to hunt down an ice troll and making this the focus of it so they get to really appreciate how cool it is? I'm just wondering, is that something you do yeah. when you see a, like the kobolds? It's like, are you thinking about, am I going to run a it kobold now. adventure? Oh, yeah. yeah. Kobold only one shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. As soon as I got it, I was like, oh, my God. I have, like, six different ideas for kobold only one shot um, mm. where, yeah, player characters play as kobolds. One of the ideas is, like, Okay, so they've got to escape. Um, I kind of want to run... I love running high-level stuff, so mm-hmm. anything, like, above level 7. Just because I have, like... You, you, that's where all the fun monsters come in. And then you're not so scared about murdering your players in one shot as well. Yeah, um, if they've got enough hit points, so, if they die, yeah. it's their fault. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> so I, I, my one of my ideas was, like, to run a, a really high-level... Uh, yeah, all the ca- player characters are kobolds. They're really high level, but they're in charge of their friends and family as well, who are really low level, and they all have to like escape the servitude of an ancient dragon. So <laughs> it could be like maybe their friends and family might die <laughs> very quickly. Yeah, um, yeah definitely so too. They'd be one shot by a dragon's 
breath weapon. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may steal that idea for some of my one shots as well, actually. Oh, <laughs> just making God. some yeah, please notes. Do, please do. Because then you get yeah, an opportunity yeah. of having this oh. massive ancient dragon as well as, as a boss fight and all these little kobolds running around. Oh, Pretty much. So much. Yeah, and I thought, so like, cool. okay, so I could give, like, the family members and stuff. They could be, like, groups and maybe, like, one of them could be, like, archer group or something. And I just give the players these, like, stat blocks and they can yeah. sort them out and use them. Um, I wouldn't run them as NPCs. i just make the players do it. I guess it would be, like, a, a sort of tactical-based one, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, it sounds great for your group where they are tactical-based. I, I hope to run it at some point, yeah. Are those the kind of adventures that you generally build? Like, not so much the one-shots. When you're building a campaign, do you find that there's a lot, few different themes like that? Like that idea of protecting a family or bringing in, becoming leaders of people? Or is there something else that you prefer to, to sprinkle through your adventures? Mm. Um, so I guess that goes back to... Uh, the world map that I made, um, I, I just drew this map out of nowhere and it had like, you know, four different places and, and then it had like all these cities, like named cities dropped without. And my idea was like, okay, open world, each city has a unique problem to it. And it's sort of how I make a city now. I'm like, okay, so there's this city, um, and something evil is in control of it. Some, there's a problem that the players have to solve. So what's that central problem? Um, and so, for instance, one of them in, in my campaign, uh, the first city that the players landed on was called Kifrin, and it was controlled by devils uh, who had a portal in the city. And, um, uh, yeah, they needed to, like, close the portal. And um, the queen was in cahoots with a rakshasa, um, and, uh, yeah, so stemming from that, like, yeah, and then the players, like, sort of had to try and figure out how to kill everything, which they did, and it was, yeah, um, <laughs> did very quickly, I was like, oh, all right, but, um, yeah, so, so I sort of, like, make these cities, and, and there's, the idea is, like, to find a monster, maybe they're not, like, in control of the king or queen or whatever, whoever's ruling the city, but there's there's a problem that the players inherently have to solve. And then stemming from that, you've got, maybe I'll, I'll throw in a couple of side quests, um, a contract or two that they can take, um, and then a couple of interesting NPCs and build it from there. I, like, I don't know if that's, sometimes I think that's too much prep work to do, but other times... You just don't know what your players are going to do. So if you present them with a city, yeah, you sort of have to go from there. Um, I feel like there's never no such thing as too much prep work. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. If you don't use it, you then have it ready for another time. And then mm -hmm. they ask the question, so what was the deal with that king? And you're like, well, I know everything about it because yeah. you didn't ask then, but I... You, I plan on like reusing this world that I've made in like I think future campaigns that I'll run with like different groups of players and stuff because I, I quite like it and um and then the idea is like yes you've got a problem in each of these cities um but most of them are, are going to be there's like uh sprinkled throughout there's there's uh like the big problem the big bad who is uh, in the campaign that I'm running is going to uh, basically wants to kill the god of magic and become like Carsus 2.0. Um, and <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's like, yeah, so 
so sprinkled throughout, yeah, she's got like this plan and you know this idea, and but they they've really only brushed up against her minions so far. Um, they know of her, but they don't know like where she is, and they don't seem too interested in like uh, delving too deep into that at the moment, which is fine. I'll keep them occupied with other stuff. So yeah, and then <laughs> hmm, her plan is just ticking away in the background. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Sometimes it know. does feel like that. You're just keeping the the, play, the players and the characters occupied while your villain gets to do what they want. Yeah, yeah. Although they did, like, the players, they did murder one of her her minions who was, like, a level 20 warlock. And that was one of the ones that I wrote about in the book that just, I had, like, some, uh, you know, uh, instructional dialogue prepared for maybe they were going to, like, yell at her in the middle of the fight. Um, and they did not, and she died in a round. So I was like, okay, well. Wow. <laughs> um, so they just, she didn't get any villain monologue, no speeches, nothing. They she just didn't, she didn't even out. get a chance to run away. Like, that's how I, I... Wow. And the worst thing is, I always roll garbage on initiative when I have these high-level monsters yeah. as well. It's always last. And I'm like, God damn it! it's just the initiative yeah. curse. Oh. I can't, I can't get around it. They had a good plan, um, but yeah, and I would have killed one of the players would have died, but I forgot one of her her abilities, um, which I was like both thankful and then kind of annoyed about at the same time. But like you know, that's all right. But she did have she had more abilities, um, but I ended up I I made her during the lunch break in the session um, because. Yeah, the players just ended up um, having this plan. They used scrying, um, and in mm-hmm. a way that I didn't think you could use scrying, and um, it all really went how, downhill from how, there. I, I feel like we need to ask: <laughs> How did they use scrying? Um, so this villain, her name was Lady Sadia, and she'd kidnapped um, one of the players' uh, families, uh, family members, uh, his mum, dad, and brother. Um, they were, they were involved in, yeah, they were involved in cult activities. So they'd actually, they'd, they'd messed up, um, because, uh, this player, um, or I guess like preface that during the one shot that I ran, um, Adelise was the character's name. Uh, she was a warlock. And then, um, after I decided, oh, let's turn this into a campaign. Um, the player sort of wanted to, was like, oh, would you mind if I swapped, like classes, I want to play a paladin. Um, I warlock. I just realized, like, yeah, uh, he was not that interested in playing warlock. I think after the two spell slot sort of thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, didn't yeah. do what it what he wanted it to do. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure, like that sounds fun. And he'd like written a bit of backstory for her and stuff, and he'd written more backstory than any of the other players. So I was like, oh, I can use this. And I really like tying players like characters to the main story because like that's how you get stakes right um and that's how you get characters to care about um plot and since he was the only one who'd written stuff for me i was like well you can go first i'm gonna tie your character to the plot and um uh so to to in order to change um character classes uh i decided that his warlock powers um, came from like uh, a ritual that his family cast on him or her when uh, she was like uh, born as a baby, and uh, turns out uh, they trapped a god in their basement, 
and uh, was and she was like using uh, his powers um, as her wallet powers. But then she had like a funky dream um, and ended up uh, deciding to free the god. And uh, he, yeah, basically, uh, she became a paladin of of his. Um, but by freeing the god, uh, it basically like uh, put her family in danger, like because. Uh, her family were the ones who have failed this mission now. The gods free. Um, they've got like a renegade daughter um, and they serve the big bad. And um, well, uh oh, so they need to be punished basically. So Sadia ended up kidnapping them and then, yeah, Adelise had to go on a quest to find them and stuff. So uh, Sadia was like holding them in this like. I don't know, a castle somewhere. I hadn't really thought about the details. I was like, oh, yeah, like, she's got them somewhere. They, they can't find them. It's, like, halfway across the world. They've they got no chance. I'm like, you guys figure this shit out in, in Keyframe first, and then you can go and save them afterwards. Um, but then, yeah, they hit level level 9, and, um, mm-hmm. and one of the characters took scrying. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, no worries. And then so they were scrying the parents... Um, which they got in, so they, they saw, like, the couple of details of the room and then were able to scry the room and then went from the room to, like, the door and then saw under the crack of the door and then went from, like, hallway up the hallway through, like, several other doors and I was like, oh, no! <laughs> and I had to make all this shit up on the spot as well because I hadn't thought about yeah. stupid hideout was going to be like because I was like ah it's alright they can't get there and then uh like uh, and then there was a teleportation circle there which I'd also made up on the fly and then they ended up using it so they got the sigil sequence and then teleported in dropped in on her like oh god it was (laughs) was so bad and this was all in one session so they got to the point yeah. where they, they saw the teleportation circle. I was like, okay, let's, you know what? It's lunchtime, guys. <laughs> let's break for lunch. Here, <laughs> go and buy fish and chips. I've got a and, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, D&D Beyond. I was like, level 20, warlock. Boom, boom, boom. Here's, here's all these abilities. Like, I'd thought about her before, but like, I had to, I hadn't built her stat book because I didn't think they were going to fight her for like four other sessions or something. Yeah. Oh my god, I've never felt so much anxiety in my life. And then I, like, looked at the abilities and I was like, okay, like, she's high level, she has minions and shit, like, they might die if they do this. Like, I was panicking, I was having a a serious panic. Um, But then, you know what, like, have faith in your players, because they always do unexpected bullshit, and, Mm. um, yeah, they ended up really murdering her. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> but that's good because they don't know what she can do. And if you throw the exact same stat block at them another time, mm. um, you'll be prepared and they won't be. Yeah, yeah. I, I quite like... Um, there's there's another couple of uh, NPCs that are like that high-level one. But I built, I built another warlock, like a celestial warlock, uh, who's level 20 as well. Um, he's sort of like same deal as her. Um but I gave him a whole bunch of healing abilities and all his legendary actions are like, yeah, he can heal. <laughs> and um, so maybe he'll survive the, the sheer too. onslaught of like just turn yeah. one. Yeah. It was a, I mean, the yeah. reason they, they died. So Players just, always forget the yeah. monsters can heal too. 
Yeah, yeah. I think just that uh, I didn't have survivability built in, and two of the players, so I had Adelise, who was Paladin, but also three levels in Fighter, so has Action Surge. Mm-hmm. And then can, you know, spite, yep. smite the shit out of stuff. And then there was another fighter yeah. in the group as well. So when you've got, like, in one round, I don't know, something like 12, 14 melee attacks um, on your monster. That's like, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, yeah they're, they're not going to survive that, <laughs> like, too much, mm. too much further into that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's the action economy. They'll just slaughter and just yep. cut through this thing because there's just that many attacks. It's like... Yeah. I'm just thinking of the of a, a hammer just going dun, 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 <laughs> on top yep. of the the poor creature's head. Yeah, and then like, well, that's going to kill everything. Oh my god! I, I've got like, and then there's an evocation wizard in that group as well, and they're now level eleven. Oh, yeah. And he apologized to me when they hit level ten. He's like, "Yeah, so I'm really sorry about this, but uh, this is what magic missile does now." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh no." Uh, <laughs> It's like a level five one, just something like oh, fifty damage lethal. or some shit like that. Oh, it's so brutal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's all guaranteed yeah, it as well. Can, they get it's so rough. Even warlocks, just with the number of eldritch blasts they can put out, it becomes yeah, they become these machine guns basically. Yeah, I cry every time. <laughs> <laughs> we should wrap up. However. Mm. Um, I think we could keep talking all day oh about my God. the things that our players do to us. Pretty much. Just crying all the uh, time. <laughs> but I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and where can people find you if they're looking online? And where can they find your book as well? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so the book's on Amazon or Booktopia. I'd advocate getting off Booktopia if you're Australian. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's available. But on I will Amazon. point out if you ask if you ask in good bookstores, they should be able to get it for you as well. Oh, really? Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. to to order in. Um, and uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter, although I never tweet, so just you know, fair warning. Uh, which is at uh, J R Kelly K A L L E is the last name, and um, yeah, I guess that's pretty much. Or Instagram, but. Um, I don't know. I don't tend to. I'm not very active on social media, so. Um, but I'm. I'm there. I. I watch it a lot. That's fair. I don't tweet. <laughs> you're. You're. You're busy running D and D a lot of the time. It's like you don't need to be to be active. I ain't got time for that. Nah. <laughs> the last thing I ask all of my guests to do is to say farewell to our audience as um, the character they've spoken about. So perhaps if you could say farewell as um, Hasa. Well, uh, yes, it's been uh, it's been lovely uh, meeting you and uh, chatting for an hour. I appreciate it a lot. Um, well, uh, I'll uh, I'll see you next time. That's all for this time. Thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank our guest again for coming on and having the time to have a discussion with me about uh, about their D and D character. If you have someone that you think would make a really good fit for the show, if you want to hear what their story with D&D and other role-playing games is, shoot me an email. The email address is tellmeaboutyourdnd at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at tellmeaboutyourdnd or on Twitter at tellmeyourdnd. I do have another podcast as well of Dice and DMs, also on SoundCloud, where I talk about Dungeons & Dragons and other role-playing games with some of my friends. If you enjoyed the show and you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, it would be wonderful if you could leave me a review to get us out to more listeners as well. And subscribe if you're on another podcast service. We do have episodes weekly. 
Art for the episode was done by Tori Tedeschi and music is by Ploddington Bear. Until next time, stay safe, may all your hits be crits.